I want to welcome all of you to Sunrise Community Church on this Labor Day weekend. Uh, bienvenidos todos a la Iglesia Comunidad de Amanecer este fin de semana uh, del feriado, el Día de la Labor. And I want to greet our online <coughs> uh, congregation, so to speak, those of you that are connecting uh, via our live stream. We're grateful to have you uh, in this way joining in. We hope that you are truly able to worship as uh, you are where you are. Uh, saludamos todos a todos los que están en línea también. We're going to be doing something just a little bit different today. We're going to be switching it up, and there is a purpose. There is a method behind our madness. Hay un propósito en el cambio que vamos a hacer hoy. What we want to do right now is we want to invite and send our boys and girls for children in worship time, ages three years old up to fifth grade, Los niños de niños en adoración pueden irse. They're going to be going early, which means they will be coming back early as well. And I hope it becomes apparent as to why that is as we go forward. It has to do with the subject at hand today. Tiene que ver con el tema de hoy. The rest of us, I want to invite you to have your Bibles ready. And um, as you're getting your Bibles out, I want you to know that today, as you can see, we are coming to the Lord's table for a very important moment, the Lord's Supper. Hoy vamos a celebrar la Santa Cena. And this is for those who have trusted in Christ, who know that they need very much the forgiveness of Jesus. The ones that know what the song said, our sins they are many, but his mercy is more. Como dice la canción, nuestros pecados son mucho, pero su misericordia es más y cubre nuestros pecados. So if you know that, you trust that, you are determining to, to, to walk in a new path and following Jesus, then we invite you to come to this table and to be fed, and we'll explain more about it later. Les invitamos a esta mesa, si es su orientación de seguir a Jesús y dejar atrás la vieja vida del pecado con su ayuda. So I want to invite you to turn to our first scripture reading, which is from Ephesians chapter 2. Verses 18 through 22, Ephesians 2, del 18 al 22, ese texto. And the page numbers are there on the screen. Those are tied to the Bibles in the back. La página indica donde están las Biblias de atrás. Now, I want to give you just a little bit of a warning here today. We're going to be looking at a lot of Scripture. This is one of those messages. Vamos a estar mirando mucho texto bíblico. So, don't be surprised if your phones or your Bibles are smoking a little bit at the end after we're done, but that will be a good thing. Si están echando humo sus Biblias, pues está bien. So I want to read this first in English, words from the Apostle Paul inspired and breathed out by the Holy Spirit. Son palabras de Pablo inspiradas del Espíritu Santo. And so this is the word of God for us today, la palabra del Señor. And this is what it says. For through him, that is Jesus, we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And that in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Pues por medio de él, Jesús, tenemos acceso al Padre por un mismo espíritu. 
Por lo tanto, ustedes ya no son extraños ni extranjeros, sino conciudadanos de los santos y miembros de la familia de Dios, edificados sobre el fundamento de los apóstoles y los profetas, siendo Cristo Jesús mismo la piedra angular. En él todo el edificio bien armado se va levantando para llegar a ser un templo santo en el Señor. En él también ustedes son edificados juntamente para ser morada de Dios por su Espíritu. Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts right now be acceptable in your sight. Que las palabras de mi boca y las meditaciones de nuestro corazón, Señor, sean aceptables ante ti, en Cristo Jesús, in Jesus' name. Amen. So, the reshaping tool we're going to talk about today is the tool of worship. Okay, that's what we're looking at. We're in this series looking at reshaping tools. Estamos hablando de la herramienta de la adoración. Now, right away when I say that, when I say worship, there are already probably some preconceived ideas that are coming to your mind about what worship is, about what worship is not. A lo mejor tienen algunas ideas ya de lo que es la adoración, lo que no es. Uh, you may be associating worship with singing. You may be associating worship with coming to a particular place like this one, coming to a particular time like this time, Sunday morning, uh, in the morning, sometime, a lo mejor asocian la adoración con un lugar particular, un, un, un servicio como este, un día como este. That's not bad. That's kind of natural for us to kind of have those ideas of what something is and natural. In fact, we're not alone in that. No somos solitarios en eso. Ancient people also had their own ideas about worship and, and uh, scholars say that in ancient times people basically were expecting and looking for two things when it came to worship. En tiempos antiguos se, se buscaban dos cosas. First of all, ancient peoples wanted to know where to find a God. Donde encontrar un Dios. And secondly, they wanted to know what is that God's name? Y cuál es el nombre del Dios? Where to find a God, what is his name? Donde encontrar un Dios y su nombre. Because if you could do that, if you could know the name of a God, and then you could know where to find that God, then you can build something. You could build an altar. You could build a shrine. You could build a temple or some sort of place of worship where you could offer a sacrifice, and then by offering that sacrifice, you could attempt to to please or placate that God, you would be able to connect with that God. Si uno sabía cuál era el nombre de Dios y dónde estaba, pues se podía edificar un altar, un templo, y así ofrecer un sacrificio para agradarlo o aplacarlo. That's what ancient people wanted to know. Where do you find a God? What's his name? Let's get this sacrifice thing going so we can connect. Now, you and I may say, well, that's not very sophisticated. That's, you know, we're more advanced than that. Somos más sofisticados que eso. I mean, that's not uh, you know, anything we would be caring about. But here's the thing I think we need to recognize. As human beings, there's something in us that wants to build in order to connect with something greater. Queremos construir para conectarnos con algo más grande. Now, I'm not just talking about 
building temples or cathedrals, which is a part of that. I'm talking about other things. Se trata de templos, claro, catedrales, sí, pero otra cosa también. Think about it. Why do we build stadiums? Why? Because we want to have the big game and we want to connect with our team and we want to feel a part of something that's bigger, something greater. Construimos estadios para conectarnos con algo más grande. Why do we build skyscrapers? Because it puts our city on top and we're connecting with something greater. Los rascacielos. Why do we build highways? Because we want to move around and we want to connect with the larger world to experience the big world as it is. Construimos carreteras para conectarnos con el mundo más grande. Why do we Why do we build computers and this thing called the internet? Because we want to connect with something bigger. All that information, all that power out there. Construimos computadoras y hasta el internet para conectarnos con algo más grande. So here's the thing we need to recognize. Building and worship go together. Construir y la adoración van juntos. But now we're talking not just about worship. When it comes to Christian worship, now we're talking about something else, and we need to recognize that Christian worship is a bit different. La adoración cristiana es algo diferente. Because you see, Christian worship is not about us building something in order to get to God, in order to connect with God. No se trata que construimos algo para conectarnos con Dios. That's not a Christian definition of worship. Christian worship rather is about God building something in order to get to us, in order to connect with us. Más bien Dios construye algo para conectarse con nosotros. And here's where I think the Bible just takes a bulldozer right through all of our own human ideas about worship and what we give and what we bring and what we do. La Biblia es como un bulldozer que aplaza, arruina nuestras ideas sobre la adoración. According to the Bible, the story of the human race is not the story of us building something. Most people say you could define human history by what we've built. La historia humana según la Biblia es no que lo que hemos construido. According to the Bible, really, you want to know the story of the human race? You want to know the, the history of the world? The history of the world is about God building things and human beings messing it up. La historia humana es que Dios construye algo y nosotros lo arruinamos. Let me see if I can show you what I mean. We go to the very first pages of the Bible. We go to Genesis chapter 1. We see there where God creates. God builds this world. Dios construye el mundo. Crea el universo. And Bible scholars will tell you that Genesis 1 and 2 are set up to show us how God has created the world in a sense to be this glorious, magnificent temple. This, this cathedral where God and people live together, are connected in perfect harmony. Dios construye el mundo como un templo en la catedral donde Dios y los seres humanos vivimos juntos. It's all built to perfection. Lo construye perfectamente. And then what happens? ¿Qué pasa? Genesis chapter 3. Adam and Eve think they can improve on what God has built. 
They try to build something else. Adán y Eva intentan construir algo diferente. They decide to go their own way. They want to build a world where they're in charge. They want to build a world where they get to know good and evil. Ellos quieren estar a cargo de las cosas. And so they disobey God. They depart from God's building plan. And in the process, what do they do? They desecrate the temple of God. Ellos profanan así el templo de Dios. By their sin, they actually ruin this perfect holy place that God has built. Arruinan en el pecado este lugar santo que Dios ha construido. Let me give you another example from Exodus chapter 32. Éxodo 32. There we find God meeting the prophet Moses on Mount Sinai. Dios se encuentra con Moisés en Sinaí, el monte. And the people of Israel are below. God has just delivered them from slavery in Egypt. Dios los ha librado de la esclavitud de Egipto. And God on that mountain speaks to Moses and he, he has this plan to build. He's going to construct this thing called a tabernacle, a, a tent, a holy tent that he's going to put right in the middle of the Israelite camp where God can be with his people, connected with them forever. Dios va a construir un tabernáculo donde él puede habitar entre y acampar entre los israelitas. It's a beautiful plan. He shows Moses exactly the way it's going to be built. But even as God is rolling out the blueprint for that tabernacle, what are the people doing down below? ¿Qué hace el, el, el pueblo Israel? They're building something else. They're building a golden calf to worship instead of God. Construyen un becerro de oro para adorar en vez de a Dios. And what do they do? They desecrate God's tabernacle. They ruin his plan. Profanan el tabernáculo de Dios. God's not deterred. God continues. And we get to a, a figure in the Old Testament called David, the king of Israel. David, the rey de Israel. He, he's a great man of God. He, he's blessed by God. He loves God. He has a great heart for God. Tiene gran corazón por Dios. And what does David want to do? David says to God, I'm going to build you something, God. I'm going to build you a house in Jerusalem where your name will be put and the whole world will know where to go and meet with God and the whole world will know your name, oh God, because I'm going to put this house in Jerusalem called the temple. David quiere construir un templo en Jerusalén donde poner el nombre del Señor, donde todo el mundo se puede encontrar con Dios. Sounds great. God says, no. You can't build anything for me. You can't put my name in that place with that building because here's the problem. Your hands are full of blood, David. You've killed too many people. Tus manos están llenas de sangre, David. No puedes construirme en una casa. Because of your violent past, anything you do for me, any sacrifice you make is going to be stained. And so here's the thing, David. I'm going to build a house for you. Yo te voy a construir una casa. You're not going to build me a house. I will build a house for you and I will make you into a great dynasty and you're going to have a son and your, your son will always sit on the throne before me. Tú vas a tener una gran dinastía. La voy a construir para que tengas un hijo ante mí siempre. 
Fast forward. The, the, the construction project of God continues and it finally culminates in that one God was talking about. The son of David called Jesus. Jesus comes to earth. Jesus viene a la tierra. And Jesus is the culmination of God's construction project. Why? Because Jesus is, John 1.14 says, the word who's become flesh to live or dwell among us. Jesus es el verbo hecho hombre habitando entre nosotros. If you look at the words, it literally says, In John 1.14, the word became flesh, God became flesh and set up his tabernacle among us. Dios se hizo hombre y puso su tabernáculo entre nosotros. Jesus is the perfect temple, the perfect tabernacle of God. He is the perfect place to connect with God in the world because he is God. Jesús es el tabernáculo, el templo perfecto de Dios porque él es Dios. And what do people do with the perfect tabernacle that God has sent and built? ¿Qué hacen con el templo que Dios ha construido? What do they do with the perfect temple? They desecrate it by crucifying him on the cross. Lo profanan a crucificarlo en la cruz. But that doesn't stop God's construction project because you see God has woven that all in there. It's all a part of the project because three days later, Jesus is raised from the dead. Tres días después, Jesús resucita. What did Jesus say before he died? He said, destroy this temple and I will raise it up again after three days. Destruyen este templo, lo voy a resucitar después de tres Días. So here's the question that ancient peoples would, would have to answer. Where do you find God? The Bible says, where do you find God? Jesus. What is God's name? Jesus. ¿Dónde encuentras Dios? Jesús. ¿Cuál es su nombre? Jesús. Ephesians 2.18 says through him through Jesus we have access to the father por medio de Jesús tenemos acceso al padre and then we're told here in Ephesians that because Jesus the perfect temple of God has died and risen again to connect us to God God is now involved in a construction project where he's going to take people from all cultures all backgrounds all races all nationalities all tribes all languages and he's going to bring them together in this amazing construction project with the apostles and the prophets as the foundation that is the word of God and with Jesus Christ himself as the chief cornerstone of this construction project Dios va a construir algo de toda la y las lenguas y las tribus y, y, y los apóstoles y profetas van a ser el fundamento la palabra de Dios y Jesús como la piedra angular look with me at Ephesians 2.21 in him, in Jesus the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord en él, Jesús, todo el edificio bien armado se va levantando para llegar a ser un santo templo en el Señor And in him, in Jesus, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. En él también ustedes son edificados juntamente para ser morada de Dios por su espíritu. 
God is building something. 1 Peter 2.5 goes into more details. Primera de Pedro 2.5. It says, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Ustedes como piedras vivas con las cuales se está edificando la casa de Dios, de este modo llegan a ser un sacerdocio santo para ofrecer sacrificios espiritual, espirituales que Dios acepta por medio de Jesucristo. God is building something. Worship, from a Christian perspective, is not about us building something in order to get to God. It's not about us sacrificing something in order to please God or to placate God. That's not what worship is. La adoración es de que nosotros construimos algo para llegar a Dios o para complacerlo. Worship is about God building something. He's building a holy temple. He's building a new spiritual house, a new family called the church with Jesus at the very middle of it. And he says, you, each one of you connected to Jesus are like living stones a part of this construction project. Y ustedes son como piedras vivas en este proyecto de construcción. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, Do you not know your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? ¿Acaso no saben que su cuerpo es templo del Espíritu Santo? You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Fueron comprados de un precio por tanto, honren a Dios con su cuerpo. In other words, each one of us is a living stone, a part of this construction project where we're going to live and connect with God, but he also wants to live and connect inside of each one of us. Our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. Queremos conectarnos con Dios y Él quiere conectarse con nosotros. So here's the thing. Worship then is not about what we build. It's not about our sacrifice to get to God, but worship is this. It's about coming to God, as Romans 12:1 says, and presenting our bodies, our lives, as a sacrifice for God to take and build out of our lives whatever he wants to do. La adoración es presentar nuestro cuerpo como sacrificio vivo, como dicen romanos, para que Dios construya algo en nosotros. Because of the perfect sacrifice of Jesus, we are then invited to offer our lives, to offer sacrifices that are acceptable to God, not because of us, because whatever we build, we're going to mess up. We are called to offer sacrifices that are acceptable to God because of Jesus' sacrifice. Somos llamados a ofrecer sacrificios aceptables a Dios no por nosotros. Profanamos lo que tocamos, sino por medio de Jesús. And that's how Hebrews chapter 13 verse 15 can say this. Listen, through Jesus, therefore, that's important. Through Jesus, let us continually Offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess his name. Así que ofrezcamos continuamente a Dios por medio de Jesucristo un sacrificio de alabanza, es decir, el fruto de los labios que confiesan 
su nombre. So we come to worship because God wants to make something out of us. He wants to shape us. He wants to build us. He wants to lift us up even as we offer ourselves to him. Now here's where I also think worship takes a bulldozer through our ideas. Aquí la adoración es como un bulldozer también. Why? Because I think we have been shaped by our entertainment culture. We've been shaped by our consumer culture to think that worship is about what we get out of it. La cultura de diversión nos dice que la adoración se trata de lo que nosotros podemos sacar. We, we've been shaped to think of worship in terms of how it makes us feel, whether it's entertaining or not, whether I had a good time or not, that is not biblical an understanding of worship that's biblical. Esa no es una comprensión de la adoración que es bíblica. So when we gather, like we're here this morning, the typical questions on our minds are probably not the questions we should be asking. The question should not be, will the music be good today? La pregunta no debería ser, ¿va a ser buena la música? Uh, will I see people that make me feel comfortable? Voy a ver a gente que me hace sentir cómodo. Will the pastor make me laugh or at least not be boring? Please. ¿El pastor va a ser aburrido? How about this? Will we get out on time for the football game or at least to beat the rush at in and out? ¿Vamos a salir para evitar el tráfico de in and out? Those are often the questions we have in our minds, right? But those are not the right questions because you see we are not consumers of worship worship is not about us no somos consumidores de la adoración no se trata de nosotros worship is about God it's God centered it's about what God wants to do with us se trata de Dios worship then what I'm trying to say is worship is a primary reshaping tool that God wants to use first of all to bulldoze our self-centered idolatry let's call it what it is Dios quiere aplastar nuestra idolatría egoísta and then he wants to reshape us and build us up in the shape of Christ so that together then we show Jesus to the world we become that dwelling where God's going to live and where God's going to show up in the world that's what worship is about se trata de una herramienta donde Dios quiere aplastar nuestra idolatría y reconfigurarnos para que seamos como Cristo y que reflejemos a Dios en el mundo. That is a much different mentality than we often bring to worship. It's about loving God with all our heart and soul and mind and strength. Se trata de amar a Dios con todo nuestro corazón, mente, alma, etc. That's why in English the word we use is worship. The word worship comes from two English words, worthy, well actually one word, worthyship. Worship is about recognizing and responding to the worthyship of God. Se trata de reconocer el valor de Dios. 
So having said this, one question that comes to mind is what does the Bible tell us about worship? Well, there's a lot, but in the New Testament, we get little glimpses of what worship was like for the Christian community. In Colossians chapter three, for example, there's a verse that we, we read last week. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. And as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. Que habiten ustedes la palabra de Cristo con toda su riqueza. Instruyanse y aconsejense unos a otros con toda sabiduría. Canten salmos, himnos, y canciones espirituales a Dios con gratitud de corazón. And then verse 17. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him. Todo lo que hagan de palabra o de obra, háganlo en el nombre del Señor Jesús, dando gracias a Dios el Padre por medio de él. There's a couple things about worship here. One is that worship is about everything. It's about everything we do in life. Worship is not just an event once a week in a building. La adoración no es un evento en un edificio una vez a la semana. It's about everything in life. Whatever you do in word or deed, doing it for the honor, for the glory, for the name of Jesus. Haciendo todo para la gloria del Señor Jesús. Your work can be a form of worship. How you take care of your kids. How you drive on the road. How you cook. God has a lot of grace on that one, for, for me anyway. Right? Anything, everything, todo lo que es en la vida. It's worship. And the picture of the early church is that worship was about receiving and letting the word of Christ live in you. It was about, it was about singing psalms and hymns with gratitude. It was about teaching, instructing, helping to, to get that word into us. Se trataba de recibir la palabra de Dios con sabiduría, de, de cantos y, y canciones. Now here's the interesting thing. Why do we sing in worship? For most people, worship is singing. And I want to tell you that's not true. Worship is not the same as singing. Singing is a part of worship. El cantar, el can, cantar es parte de la adoración. But why is worship so often associated with, with music, with singing? Well, here's the thing. When we sing, I think it's a great symbol of worship. Es un símbolo de la adoración. Why? Because when we sing together, we're engaging our voices, we're engaging our minds, we're engaging our emotions, we're engaging our will, we're engaging often our bodies. All of that focused on honoring God, right? Usamos la voz, la mente, las emociones, la voluntad hacia el cuerpo para honrar a Dios. That's a great, that's a great symbol or a great illustration of how we should be living the rest of the week. A song of praise to God. There's another scripture that gives us a little bit of light. 1 Corinthians 14.26. It says, when you come together, everyone has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. All of these must be done for the strengthening of the church. Cuando se reúnan, cada uno puede tener un himno, una enseñanza, una revelación, un mensaje de, en lenguas o una interpretación. Todo esto debe hacerse para la edificación de la iglesia. Again, you see some of the same things going on, but here's the other thing. Worship is not just about everything that we do to honor God. There is an element of worship where what we do is to build each other up. 
We actually participate in God's building project in each one of our lives. En parte la adoración es para edificarnos unos a otros. And, and, and so I come to worship with the mentality I want to honor God, but I also want to build others up. So how has worship shaped me? How has it shaped you? Again, I asked that question last week and I've been thinking about this for myself. How has worship shaped me? I'm not so sure I can answer that question easily. ¿Cómo me ha remodelado la, la adoración? I, I sat down to do some math, just thinking about it, and this is just my weird mind. I estimated I've probably in my lifetime attended about between 2,000 and 2,500 Sunday morning worship services. Asistido entre como 2,500 servicios de adoración. That's not counting Good Friday, Christmas, weddings and funerals, praise nights, prayer meetings, things of that nature. No incluye Viernes Santo, Navidad, bodas funerales, etc. 2,000 to 2,500. What's so important about that? Well, first of all, I want to say what I'm not saying. I'm not saying... I've got to have some good points there with God. I mean, you know, that's not what I'm saying. Eso no quiere decir eso. Because we, you see, we're not made right with God based on our worship. Worship does not save anyone. La adoración no le salva a nadie. Worship does not save you or me. But here's the thing. Worship shapes us. It shapes us. And I cannot remember everything about those 2,000 plus services. I cannot remember how I felt, what I did. Some days I probably had a rotten attitude. Other days maybe I had an okay attitude. That doesn't matter. No importa la actitud que tenía en esos dos mil servicios. Here's the thing. God was using all of that to shape me. God is like a, a master sculptor in our lives And, and when we gather for, with other Christians to worship and we learn how to worship in the rest of our lives, he's chipping away at us like a sculptor. Él nos está escoltando como un escultor, como una escultura. Nos está tallando. And to be chipped away at 2,000 sometimes, that, that's great. But only God's in charge of that. It's his building project. But my point is this that the regular use of the tool of corporate worship, of gathering with God's people, is important. It's important that we regularly gather because that's all a part of God's plan to shape us, to chip stuff off, to put stuff in us, to change our hearts and attitudes and lives. Cada vez que nos reunamos es como algo que nos talla, como un escultor. God wants to use that. So would you rather be sort of like a, a half-shapen sculpture when all is said and done? Would you rather look like this from all of the exposure you've had to worship? Or whether you, would you rather look like that when you're done? ¿Cómo te quieres ver? ¿Como la primera o la segunda escultura? Think about it. 
Only God knows the shape we're in. But over the next few weeks at sunrise, what I want to do, this is such a big subject, such a big target. Over the next few weeks, I want us to enter into a time where we begin to more intentionally explore some aspects of our worship together and what it means for our lives. Vamos a explorar la adoración durante los, prim, uh, los uh, próximos domingos. So each Sunday, I'm hoping we'll kind of highlight a particular dimension of worship. Why do we do this? Why do we do that? And then we're also hopefully going to present maybe some new practices that are probably old practices. Vamos a mirar nuevas prácticas que de veras son viejas. I want you to be willing to participate in that for it to be kind of a different day, a different experience. Worship is about God. But the ironic thing is that when we come to worship, God does something to us. He feeds us. Dios nos alimenta, aunque la adoración se trata de Dios. He feeds us his word. He feeds us his spirit. And today... He feeds us at his table. This is, the Lord's table is something God has built. La Santa Cena es algo construida por Dios. Jesus has provided this table. He established it when, when he ate with his disciples in the upper room. And he gives us here not only bread and the cup. Jesús no solo nos da el pan y la copa. He gives us, he shows us that he has given his body and his blood. Jesus has given the perfect sacrifice of worship. Jesús dio su cuerpo y su sangre, el sacrificio perfecto de la adoración. We come here, and what we have to give is like filthy rags. But he asks us to come and give our lives as sacrifices that are accepted because of the sacrifice of Jesus. Venimos como contrapos sucios para dar nuestra vida como un sacrificio que es aceptable porque Jesús dio su sacrificio perfecto. So, where do you find God? Jesus. What is God's name? Jesus. Donde encuentra, se encuentra Dios en Jesús y su nombre es Jesús. So I want to invite our worship team to come up right now. And I would say we're going to worship, but the truth is we've been worshiping. We're going to continue to worship. And I want to invite you as they help to lead us into a time of doing that, of living into what we've heard from the word this morning. Quiero invitarles a que vivan según lo que Hemos hablado hoy un tiempo para seguir en la adoración.